Greetings, fellow travelers. Welcome to the 42nd level of the RPG Cave. I'm one of your hosts, the level 99 human archmage, Ryan Turford, and I'm joined, as always, by the level 99 elf medic, Mr. Garrett Bland. Garrett, how are you doing this lovely, lovely Monday evening? Good, sir. I'm doing good. I, I made this uh, this potion, a.k.a. water, carbonated water seltzer for my soda stream. My, sorry, okay. my apothecary potion mix. Okay, I think I'm good with this bit. I think I'm done. How about you, I- Ryan? I mean, I thought we had enough of crafting stuff last week, Garrett. We had to, <laughs> we had to bring the alchemy back into it. Whereas I, I'm just break, drinking, you know, normal old tap water out of my Captain Marvel glass. So, and oh, I'm, that's I, awesome. I mean, and to be fair, I'm all Captain Marveled out today, apparently, because I'm also wearing my Captain Marvel Funko T-shirt as well. So I'm just like, nice. I'm all about Captain Marvel today, apparently, for some reason. It wasn't planned. <laughs> it just happened that way. But before we get the, the show, let's clear the dungeon of the pesky mobs. But before we do that... Obviously, this episode comes out after Yumi Capri Day, literally the day after, or it will actually be out for patrons the same day as Yumi Capri Day. But for folks that tuned into Yumi Capri Day, you realize, oh, it wasn't actually Yumi Capri Day after all. It was, in fact, Carpool Gaming Day. Woo! We, of course, announced, uh, for anyone who missed the announcement, of course, who just listens to this show, uh, we are now... Carpool Gaming instead of Yumi Capri again. We wanted to come up with a name that that meant more to you know what this brand actually was because we're all about community and we're all about gaming and we wanted it to kind of you know center around that. Plus you know we got you know cars themed for a lot of the shows. It all except makes sense. for this one. This, exactly. this is the one about a cave. Well, I you guess, never know. Like, cars can cars drive into caves. Are, exactly. The cars are going to the caves. All, all I the, mean, you know, Gar- all three the, platforms going to the RPG cave. That's in nice. fact, the mo- one of the most famous cars in all of pop culture, Garrett, lives in a cave, the Batmobile. So there's oh, the Batmobile. that. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to be fair, there's no Batman RPG, but, you know, we, we got there. We got there when we thought. Oh, about I wish was, we, so. we had one. But anyways. So, there, so anyways, if you missed that day, there's some cool stuff that comes along with that, of course. And we'll talk about it here real quick. So, number one, if you want to support the show, there's a number of awesome Freight ways to debt number one you can subscribe to us on your podcast feed of choice even though we have this big change we're still on all the same podcast feeds that you found us on before so apple Podcasts, google play spotify amazon music pretty much everywhere you find podcasts so check us out there make sure you hit that subscribe button also if you're watching us on youtube of course make sure to hit that like button maybe you know subscribe to our youtube channel maybe write a comment about what you think about nis and, and what some of your favorite nis games are also uh, if you uh, want to do the extra cool, hit that dingle dangle, that ding, 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 the bell for some extra notifications uh, if you want to be notified when our videos goes live. But now our new YouTube channel, youtube.com slash carpool gaming is where you actually find the RPG cave now. But again, nice. same great taste, but, you know, different, different flavor. That's 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 the only thing that's going different on flavor. Oh, OK, Sounds yeah. Good. Uh, also. Patreon is also around. We've still got some amazing Patreon parts. We announced a bunch of new Patreon perks today um, during Yumi Capri Day in the future. Of course, now at the time we're recording this, we haven't actually you know finalized all that stuff. But there's a lot of cool stuff over there. So heading over to Patreon, patreon.com slash carpool gaming is where you do that. And if you want uh, early access to this and all of our shows. And again, we got some cool new perks, including some merch perks as well. So check us out over on the Patreon as well. And then last but not least, this is brand new to the show. So I'm very excited that we can finally talk about this, Garrett, that we've been working on for a while. We have a merch store. Um, I can't give you the exact link just by saying it because I 
we haven't actually finalized it at the time of this recording. But if you go in the show notes or the description of the video, I'll have the link pasted there to the, the merch store where we have merch for across all of the carpool gaming shirts, um, as well as our logo and our new mascot. Bobby, he's super adorable. He's a, he's a ray of sunshine. Uh, so definitely check out our merch there. But Garrett, more importantly, we yes. finally have an RPG cave shirt. Yes. on the merch store you can go check that out there as well it looks pretty awesome uh, i can't wait to get mine because i've actually totally ordered one for myself so nice. I, because i think it looks pretty awesome so uh check it out there again you can get in multitude of different colors but the black is the way to go because then you know the logo is you know the black logo that you see on all the podcast feeds but uh, mm-hmm. and you can get any color you want so check it us out there on the merch store designed by the incredible console kato uh we love her very much and, and have to thank her for putting together an amazing merch store so Check us out there at the link in the show notes. But enough about all that. We're five minutes to the show, Garrett. We haven't even started talking about RPGs yet. So it's time to read from the sacred texts because we have a pretty cool show this week because I'm actually pretty excited to talk about this one. Um, mm-hmm. This is a, a company that's like in all my time of working in, you know, amateur like kind of um like enthusiast press anyways like working in podcasting essentially because I, i've been mm-hmm. podcasting since 2014 like i can't believe looking at the calendar while now. it's been yeah. almost 10 years since i started podcasting and the one company that's always been consistently very supportive of, of me and my work and then now our work here over in carpool gaming is nis which is yes. the company we're going to talk about today. So I'm very excited to finally talk about NIS on the show. They've been a long time kind of steward in the uh, in, in the RPG scene. In fact, uh, mm-hmm. you might not realize how many games they've actually made. And we're going to talk about that in kind of fun so facts. Many. But uh, let's get into things, of course, with some fun facts, because we're going to talk all about mm-hmm. NIS today. So first off, NIS, what does it stand for? Why, what do we mean when we say NIS? That stands for Nippon Ichi Software. They were actually founded. That's it, yeah. Yeah, they I were founded in <laughs> September of 1991 is when they come together. In fact, last year they celebrated their 30th anniversary and they had a whole bunch of you know, big game releases to celebrate uh, last year, which was pretty, pretty awesome to see. Um, but when they originally formed, they were not... NIS. They actually originally formed under the name Prism Ki- uh, Kikaku. Kikaku, okay. I think is how you say it. Um, but they later rebranded to Nippon Ichi Software on July 12th, 1993. Their very first game, believe it or not, Garrett, was a Super Nintendo puzzle game called mm. Pieces, which was a puzzle game about puzzle pieces going on an okay. adventure, which was kind of weird. It had That's some weird cute. box art. Um, but it was actually released in North America on in uh, December of 1994, and it was originally published by Atlas in North America, which is funny oh, wow. to think about because when I talk about <laughs> the history of, of it, right it kind of yeah, it kind of went in the opposite direction. But uh, it's just funny to think that Atlas published one of their games because Atlas is for folks that don't know, it's been around since like, you know, the mid eighties, they worked on a whole bunch Mm -hmm. of NES games and stuff like that. Um, and this was around the time when Atlas was publishing a lot of stuff. Um, cause Atlas was known as a big publisher before, you know, Sega bought them. We'll probably tell the story about Atlas one day on this show, but, uh, it was cool to see that NES started there, but during the PlayStation one and PlayStation two era, which is pretty much all the games that came after that. Um, they were really a big, developer they weren't really a publisher at the time whereas we kind of know them today as um but they mostly published a bunch of you know japanese only titles at the time so we didn't see a lot of these 
you know, North American NIS games there here in North America. And if we did, they were in such low quantities that they're now super rare and expensive when you mm-hmm. stick up NIS now games now from North America during that era. But uh, essentially, the very first time they actually started to transition to publishing games was in 2005 with the title Ellen No Asria, the Spirit of Eternity Sword, which was from a company called Ooze uh, with an X. I mean, it sounds kind of weird to pronounce it that way, but that's just how it's pronounced. Um, And then from there, they they transitioned to kind of developing some of their own games, but mostly being a publisher. Like that was kind of the rule that they had assumed from there, which is, again, kind of how we think about NIS nowadays, where if you look at NIS Mm -hmm. portfolio, it's like 90 percent of titles that they publish and then maybe 10 percent of stuff that they develop themselves, essentially. Yeah. Um, And then during this time frame, um, they wanted to increase their their stake in North America and kind of bring more games here and kind of localize more games. Um, So in 2003, they they actually founded NIS America, which we are actually quite familiar with because we work with them all the time on, you know, reviews and stuff like that. Um, And they've been around ever since they've been, you know, kind of a a pillar and kind of localizing a lot of these games that honestly, if they didn't have found this North American branch, I don't know if we would get nearly as many of these NIS games here in North America. Um, so I think they do pretty good work over there at NIS America and they're, they're definitely cool dudes to talk to over there. So, uh, you know, we go check them out on Twitter and whatnot, but during their lifetime, Garrett, we got to talk about how many games NIS made. So I want you to guess so before uh, okay. I tell you the tide, the total. So first off, mm. I, I split these up into two different totals, one, including all the, the, like one with no remakes or ports or mobile games. And then one number that's all the phone games and ports and remakes. So Garrett, oh, take, wow. a, take a guess. How many games do you think NIS did that are not, you know, ports and remakes of games? So so you're saying they developed themselves, not published. Oh, like, no, pu- I, I included the because it would have taken way too long for me to go through it if I separated. Them yeah, that, yeah, yeah, separate that those. So, so okay. developed and published since their founding in 1991. Oh, my goodness. It must be in the. OK, without mobiles and ports or whatever, I'm going to say like. I'm going to stick with like 67, 68 games. Well, okay, that's much smaller. That's cute. That's cute. <laughs> okay. Is it double the, that? Yeah, it is double is, that. Okay. It's, okay. It's it's 121 games. <laughs> 121 games. Okay, cool, cool. And that's without the ports. Games, and that's and, without and the ports. Mobile since, games and yeah, goodness. Since 1991. That's a since lot of games. Since 1991. Yeah, it is a lot of games. All right. Including that, everything. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess at least 200. It's a, actually, it's a lower number that you'd probably think it's 167. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So, again, not as crazy, but still it's, it's a lot. I mean, again, that's a, basically an average of four games a year since 1991. Since I, I can believe that <laughs> knowing <laughs> that logo everywhere in like at least three or four times a year. That's believable, especially this year. Like, they're just going after it with so many yeah. games. Uh, In fact, I think one yeah. of their pro- most prosperous years was like 2020, where I think they published like 12 or 13 games that year. And then they developed two on their own. So it's just like goodness, they're cr- crazy to think about. In fact, Garrett, I don't know if you knew this, but NIS actually holds a Guinness World Record for oh. the company that has released the most strategy RPGs Period. It's in fact, a, they were awarded this honor in 2012 by the Guinness uh, World hmm. Records uh, folks, and they have not lost that title since then. So they've actually released the most. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Yeah, they've released the most strategy RPGs of any company 
since since 2012, which is just mind boggling to think about. That's kind of crazy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when you think about how many of those games actually come out. Um, but as a publisher, NIS is actually responsible for a lot of different companies out there. Mm-hmm. They mostly focus on on smaller indie Japanese studios, but they also do publishing for Neon Falcom, which we had yep. did a whole episode about, uh, SNK and a whole bunch of other bigger companies. And they also used to be the main publisher for both Atlas and Spike Chunsoft, which is just funny to think about going back to my previous example from their very first game where mm-hmm. Atlas published their very first game. But basically until Atlas bought Sega, uh, or, or sorry, at, so, uh, yeah, Sega bought Atlas. Atlas. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was kind of the almost all of Atlas's North American games were published by NIS. So when you actually booted up a game like Dragon's Crown or you know Odin Sphere um, or something like that, like the NIS logo would also be there as well as Atlas mm-hmm. every time you'd mm-hmm. see that stuff. So it was just it's it's really weird to think about nowadays how you know Sega's publishing Atlas's games instead. But I mean, I always think in my mind almost like I almost associate a lot of Atlas's games, especially again, like games from Vanillaware or Persona Studio with NIS, even though, again, they're not actually publishing those games now, or even stuff like Danganronpa as well from Spike Chunsoft or AI The Somnium Files, um, which I know I know are not RPGs, but they like NIS published all those as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they published a lot of stuff outside the outside of just the RPG realm. But for the most part, like RPGs have always kind of been their focus and especially like the, the bigger series from NIS in particular are, is stuff like Disgaea, for example. Disgaea is um, a big one. Yeah, it is definitely like their fra- flagship series. Um, and then they do some other like one off one off games as well. But for the most part, that's kind of like their bread and butter. So that's what I got for fun facts, Garrett. Can you believe, mm-hmm. first of all, like just how many, how many games they put out and, and like the breadth of their work over over these years? Because, I mean, they've been doing a lot of stuff. Over They've the been going after it, man. There, there's a lot of games. I'm just going through their games list right now for like the past like three years or something. And it's mm-hmm. it's a ton. And, and yeah, as you said, it's like um develop it's from smaller Japanese publishers. You got Little Town Hero in here, which mm-hmm. was from Game Freak, the makers yeah. of Pokemon. We so like a lot of these Japanese developers, like, you know, if they want to publish out in the West, I think NIS is a go-to. Right. Mm -hmm. You got like I I think of big Japanese publishers. I think of Square Enix first. I think of Capcom. I think of Bandai Namco, Sega kind of in there. But then NIS is like (laughs) the next one. And it's really cool to see them bringing a lot of these games over. Yeast is a big one, too. They've been publishing that as well um like same with the trails of series like the legend of heroes series as yeah. well like they've been publishing all of those games too mm-hmm. for Falcom. um they got you know the disguise series and of course they do fresh remakes of those quite a bit and, and yeah. a lot of skews of that too i i know disguise six complete edition is about to is a, i think it's being released really soon like it's coming like out on playstation four pretty soon yeah which yeah, is, which yeah. I'm, I'm very excited to actually finally play because I actually did a review of Disgaea 6 last year on on this mm-hmm. podcast um, on this because they only released the Switch version in North America. And it it did not run very well, but it was a really cool game. So mm-hmm. I've been excited to maybe check out the PlayStation 4 version because I, I like the Switch game, but I just 
you know, the performance in that game is is not good. Like it's not well optimized on that console. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. excited to see what the PlayStation 4 game version of that game actually really looks like. But mm-hmm. yeah, they've de- definitely got that coming up soon. Um, as well as again, they've got that Trails of game that's coming out later this year. Yeah. Um, like Trails of Azure, I think it's what it's called, as well as some other stuff. So mm-hmm. and this is all I'm just very that. thankful of NIS of just bringing a lot of these Japanese type games over and, and publishing them to the West. Because I feel like if we didn't have NIS, I mean... Well, they'll probably find some way out, but I think a lot of lower tier JRPG type of studios would just not care or just not mm-hmm. like bring it over. So, yeah, I think thank NIS America for for doing a lot of uh, the porting and, and publishing. Well, yeah, they, like for the little known fact about NIS America, they do all the localization for those games. That's kind of so crazy, they, too. They, they they coordinate all of the, vo- the the voice actors. If the game needs voices, they make sure to, you know, localize any of the text for a lot of those games. And some of the games that they get are like big, long JRPGs. So it, as you can imagine, it takes forever to, to write all mm-hmm. that out. Like even like a game like Monarch Garrett that we got from NIS, you know, a couple months ago. You know, they and as America did the publishing for that game, but they also did the localization as well. That's kind of there's crazy. a lot of text in that game. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it, that's no easy feat. Like that, the, but that's also the reason why a lot of NIS games that they do publish that that do come through NIS America do usually have a Japanese release first before coming out here. Um, mm-hmm. That is kind of one of the things that I'm a little bummed about. But I, but I mean, I think we've been moving more and more direction of the simultaneous worldwide releases with some of this mm-hmm. stuff, and I think that NIS America is you know. Been, been a lot better that this so just talking about nis's legacy just in general like you hit the nail on the head Garrett, with a lot of this stuff like even even stuff from atlas or spike chunsoft which again like even though they're not publishing their games now like that was when those companies were a lot smaller than they are now or just didn't have the following mm-hmm. that they had before and i feel like there are some games from atlas for example that would have never come out here Yes. <laughs> if it wasn't for NIS or say or same with like a series like Dang and Rapa, which I think has like kind of like a cult following here now in, in North America. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that series would have ever come out here. Or they like there wouldn't have been like a North American publisher that probably would have taken on the chance of right. uh, publishing that now. Like whereas now Spike Chunsoft's become a much bigger company. So they're able to self-publish a lot of this stuff. But back then, man, like back in the day, like that, like when these games are coming out, like even in the early you know 2010s like it would have mm-hmm. been unheard of for some of these games to come out here so um i definitely think they they have a strong legacy here in north america as far as you know pushing the envelope and, and making sure that we get as many of these japanese releases as possible mm-hmm. here in north america and I, I think there's a lot to be thankful for that and i think that's really like the big impact they have on just rpgs in north america in general and, and it goes mm-hmm. back to to other, another company we talked about a while ago, which is working designs as well, because they also um, were formed around the same time. Um, but they they were they were kind of like the 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 pioneers when it came to North American localization. But I think really NIS kind of perfected that. Sure, not some of their games are kind of hit and miss with the quality, but I think a mm-hmm. lot of that just has to do with the quality of the game and not necessarily the quality of the localization. Where I think like they've always been really strong in that department. Unless you maybe mm-hmm. disagree with that point, Garrett. No, no, no. I, I, I totally agree with you. And and also I applaud them for keeping up with like the ports and like complete editions and just mm-hmm. I, they're doing the printy presents type of classic games as well. So I think they do a pretty good job of preserving their own games and kind of compiling them and putting them into current gen hardware and, and selling it. Um, I'm, I'm just really glad that they do that because 
there's not a lot of other Japanese companies that do that. Square Enix is, is trying a little bit with with their franchises, um, but like not not so they not so much compared to NIS. They yeah. it looks like they're they're keeping it well recycled, not recycled, but well like like rejuvenated, mm-hmm. preserved into like current gen hardware. It yeah, I think really actually cool. all the collections that they do or any like retro re-releases that they do are, are actually really well done between the pretty present stuff. We, we, we just got an announcement of a new one, which I'm yeah. pretty excited about because one of them is Rhapsody, a musical adventure, which is a RPG musical, essentially. Nice. <laughs> the whole game is, is they're singing throughout the whole game. But that game is like stupid expensive. If you look back at like physical copies of, you know, mm-hmm. the, the game on other platforms like the PlayStation one or the DS like that's that's not a cheap game so i'm very glad that they do stuff like that but they also do like good third-party collections as well they, they helped work on the the snk 30th anniversary collection which oh, cool. i know that not everyone loved all the games that are in there but i think they did a great job with like helping with that collection and, and porting that over um and i think that you know the work their work there did did really they did really well with that as well as the disguise re-releases i think they they're they're really good about also like cramming a bunch of extra content whenever mm-hmm. they do those extra re-releases yeah. or even um when i think i also reviewed that the pretty games as well when they came to switch and i did i think they did a really good job with that too as well like that the pretty games from the the psp which is which was like an offshoot of the disguise series mm-hmm. um, so i think they do a lot of good uh like job of preserving their own history but it is one of those games where there's so many games from from NIS Garrett that it's impossible to ask them to do, do that with everything, essentially, yeah, with all their true. stuff. But I'm glad they're selecting kind of like the most important titles um, mm-hmm. and kind of bringing them forward or the ones that that make sense for those types of remakes. And, and again, and especially very, after, you know, playing a game like Chrono Cross yeah. this week where kind of Square Enix did not do a good, very good job of that port. In fact, we'll be talking about that on kind of a future episode of the mm. RPG Cave, but uh Man, seeing that in contrast to some of NIS's ports, I think it's like an almost like a night and day difference, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. And it looks like NIS very friendly to the handheld console. And yeah. it, from PSP to PS Vita and now Switch, I, I just see every game now at least has the Switch um, like kind of platform release or it's going to come out later at some point. They do a pretty good job of like any game that they get or publish or present um, is also on Switch and also on handheld, which um, mm-hmm. awesome. That's really really cool. Yeah, they did a lot of stuff during the 3DS days as well, and it, it, like you 3DS, got, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and they brought a lot of those forward as well, like Alliance Alive and some other stuff. So, um, mm-hmm. they again going back to the game preservation thing, like uh, they do a lot of you know ports and, and remakes of their previous titles. But I think it's good that they do that because again, you get you mm-hmm. can carry a lot of those games with you, and especially getting those games into the yeah. Switch ecosystem which hopefully, you know, Nintendo does allows you to play those backwards compatible uh, whenever the, you know, the next switch comes out. Um, I, I'm hoping anyways, um, mm-hmm. like I, I think that's going to preserve those games and kind of keep them around forever, mm-hmm. which I think is just awesome to see from them. Yeah. So Garrett, I got to ask yes. you this question because it's, and it's on the dock, so you know, I'm going to ask it, but um, yeah. do you have a favorite series or game from NIS? Like, um, and, and we'll, th- hmm. we'll include kind of published stuff in there as well. Cause I think, we probably have both have kind of the same answer for, you know, games they've developed, but as far as, you know, mm-hmm. games in total from NIS, what, what, what's your, what are some of your favorite games and series from NIS? Uh, so like looking through here, I, I just can't believe the games that they were actually involved publishing it. I, I mean, I knew Disgaea, of course. Um, mm-hmm. I recently played a game last year called Void Terrarium 
very very good on on switch so that's not a series but it's a game developed by nis and it's mm-hmm. uh it's like a crafting game and so you kind of like go out in like this kind of dungeon crawling type of area and then you grab different parts or whatever and go back to your hub and like kind of like try to revive your robot there i think it was pretty good um i did uh play the first installment of fallen legion on vita and that one was pretty good up until the end it didn't run that great on vita to be honest with you um but the most of the game was really really cool and that is very cool um it's like action time combat rpg where he's like okay got a prompt and press the button and like slash the enemy it was it was pretty good pretty well done you got trails of cold steel man you got yeast series that these are the games i need to get into mm-hmm. um man i other than that there's a lot of just you know they do a lot of one-offs disguise series of course um alliance alive is one i played on 3ds i mentioned before um i didn't care for it too much but i know a lot of people do um like that but yeah i mean that i think that's pretty much it on my end at least more recently for the past few years mm-hmm. um and then, yeah, that's pretty much it. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, going back to the PlayStation 2 era, because I've played a lot of, you know, older games from, from you know, yeah. NIS. In fact, the very first NIS game I played was this guy, Hour of Darkness, because I had heard, I was really looking in the mood, like looking for more strategy RPGs because I was really getting into them at the time, you know, because it came out in 2001 and I was... It, and when I first got my PS2, I was looking for a lot of those games. And um, a friend recommended to me Disguise Hour of Darkness because I had heard a lot of cool things about it where it was kind of like this goofy kind of, you know, uh, strategy RPG take. And I, I thought that sounded really cool. So um, mm-hmm. that was what I got into. But then later on, another PlayStation 2 game that I really like from NIS is actually uh, Lapicel Tactics, which I think is based off um, another RPG series. But um, it's also like a tactical role-playing game in the same way as, you know, a Disgaea, but it's, you know, less goofy than something like Disgaea. So that's a game that I really enjoyed on the PlayStation mm-hmm. 2. Um, and then also a, a game, just moving to, to modern games, um, the the remakes of uh, Landgrasser, I think are actually really good. Landgrasser oh, really? 1 and 2 on the Switch. And again, mm-hmm. more strategy RPGs. I mean, yeah, again, just something to think about. It's one of my favorite genres. So of course I'm, I'm going to, you know, steer in that direction. And I think that game is really well done. Um, the only thing that, that I don't love about it is sometimes the battles, especially the harder ones just take forever because you have a bajillion units on the map. Right. Sometimes. Um, so it is one of those, you know, strategy RPGs actually kind of similar to a game like triangle strategy, where I find like sometimes triangle strategy does that to you as well. But, oh, really? uh, yeah. Landgrasser one, two, I think is actually like a really good port on switch. Um, and especially cause those games came out on the Genesis and, uh, I'm glad NAS actually took the time to kind of, you know, re-release those and kind of bring them to North America. Um, mm-hmm. and another one as well, that's also on switch that, that got ported pretty recently, um, is God Wars future past, um, which is oh, developed okay, by yeah. Katakawa games. Um, and it's another strategy RPG, but it, it, it takes, it, it's like focused around kind of like Japanese mythology and stuff. So it's a game I really enjoyed a lot. And uh, I think the Switch version, which is the complete version, which has all the DLC, is like a really good port of that game, but it's also available on Vita. And I think that's also a pretty good version to play as well. So there's that. But a, a lot of the my favorite series from NIS also were, were past ones. I mean, it's impossible for me not to at least mention Danganronpa here, which Danganronpa, is one of, my all, yeah. one of my like favorite modern, you know, 
game series. Again, not an RPG, but I love the Danganronpa series so much um, to the point where, you know, I, I like NIS in particular, I, I just so closely associate with that because we haven't mm-hmm. had a Danganronpa release come out since, you know, Spike Chunsoft basically bought the right, it like took the rights back from yeah. NIS, you know, after they kind of delisted and relisted the games. We haven't had a new release in, in that series since then. So I closely associate that series with NIS in a lot of ways. Um, and same with stuff like Odin Sphere as well. Like I, I like it's impossible for me to separate myself right. from that. Or even a game like Persona 4 Golden, it, where, you know, NIS did publish that game in North America. And I didn't realize that. Wow. Cool. Like I, I don't I don't think we would have gotten that game in North America if it wasn't for NIS, which is pretty cool. That's so, kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, there's that too. And then uh, there's some more stuff I can throw out there as well. Stuff like Artanelico on the PlayStation three. I think that's like a, a pretty good series of games. And, uh, uh, NS actually was responsible for those, um, as well as soccer wars, uh, so long, my love, which was a, a the soccer wars game on the Wii. And it was actually the very first soccer wars game we got in North America. Cause that series was basically Japan only on the Saturn, um, because oh, it was a, a series from Sega specifically, but, um, basically if it wasn't for NIS America stepping in and, you know, doing the localization for Sega for that, for the, that Wii game, again, we would have never gotten that game in North America. So it, it's just really cool that they're involved with, with so many different things. So that's kind of my list is kind of some of my favorite games and series, but definitely like as far as series go from, you know, NIS first party, it's, I mean, it's Disgaea. I mean, it's this guy is a big one, man. Yeah. I really need to get into it. I have Disgaea five complete on my switch ready to go I, and i got a they are always on sale too so i would i i what would you recommend for disgaea because I, I heard disgaea 5 is a pretty good entry and in, in yeah. you know disgaea I mean, if 6. you've already got it if you've already got disgaea 5 i'd go with that um disgaea 6 uh, as i talked about previously is not a very good port on switch um just yes. because again the performance for that game believe it or not even though it's a strategy rpg you would think you know the performance might not play into it but yeah, there's a lot of, you know, walking around the castle and stuff like that. And yeah. you can either have it go at 60 frames per second, but it looks like it's in 240p and it oh, no. doesn't look it, it, it covered in, you know, like N64 anti-aliasing. Or and it goes in the other to direction. 3D modeling too, right? Yeah. Because which, Disguise again, 5 was 2D. Yeah. And it was which, pretty interesting. Which normally wouldn't be so bad, but it's like, again, with all the anti-aliasing in there, it's just like some, like some of the... Uh, N64 games where there's a lot of like it looks the, the screen looks kind of muddy um, mm-hmm. like that's kind of what it reminds with the look of what it reminds me of or you can play it at you know 20 frames per second but in 720p essentially so it's oh, just goodness. like take your pick as to which one you'd prefer between the two of those so mm-hmm. um, yeah I think that you know Disgaea 5 if you've got a switch that's the place to start um, otherwise mm-hmm. if you've got a PlayStation 4 honestly I would start with Disgaea 6 what complete when it comes out I think that's going to cool. be a really good package. Or if you want to get some of the games for cheap, because they do on go, go on sale all the time, you know, I would play, you know, Disgaea 4 or Disgaea 5. I think they're both really good games as well. Um, in fact, really, the only one that didn't really hit for me super well was Disgaea 3. I just think mm. that one's just just OK. Um, but the cool. first two I, I will always love from the bottom of my heart. And they're actually on PlayStation PC. Now. Uh, PlayStation Now. Wow. Yeah. exactly so and, and cool. i know a lot of people actually probably just signed up for playstation now because of you know uh the, the playstation plus changes that are coming up because i know a lot of people stacked months months of it of course you know, they did yep for the cheaper price so yep. um as a result i would say maybe check some of those games out on playstation now as well because i think they're 
uh, really good games on there as well. Mm-hmm. But lots of great options. And, and plus, if you've got a Vita, I mean, there's so many even so many more options because so that because the PSP versions uh, remakes of Disgaea one and two are awesome and they're available on the digital store. So I would check those out as well. If you've got a Vita, um, I think they're actually better ports than, you know, the versions that we have available on PlayStation now or PC. So wow. maybe go that in that direction as well. But yeah, it's, it's crazy. a crazy series to kind of st- ask where to start with, because I mean, again, the stories don't really matter. It's very goofy and they don't really tie into each other too much. So it almost doesn't matter where you start. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. That sounds good. And uh, yeah, I think NIS, I reviewed two of their games this year, which is Monarch and uh, Crystar. And they they were always f- super friendly and just like, they know um, we're, we're like um, smaller podcasts or whatever. And it's like, okay, yeah, just what, what's what's the, what's your viewers, what's your audience or whatever. And then we we tell them, and it's like, okay, here's a code, you review it and just go for it. And they they really don't, really um they're not uptight they're not strict at all they're they're yeah. very chill with us so i i really thank them for giving me the opportunity to review at least a couple of their games this year um yeah. crystar it's a it's a good game if and if you want to like a mindless action rpg that's that's a perfect one and it's it runs great on switch i, I was very <laughs> surprised how how well it ran so um, and then of course we go. talked about monarch their other release this year to yes. death on the monarch episode so go yes. back go back and listen to that as well but uh but we definitely like yeah i've played so many nis games over the years like, they've been like one of those publishers that you don't think about too much too often because again mm-hmm. for the most part that, that what you know them from unless you're playing disgaea for the most part you think of them as a publisher but they're it's one of those publishers when it, when it comes to rpgs that they're always around but and they're always there and they do they do some awesome work. So I have to commend them mm-hmm. for that. And we're definitely going to see more, many more releases from them for years to come. I think they still they're going to be doing like a they, they, they did, had some announcements during the recent like New Game Plus Expo. And then they they usually do their own like NIS Direct usually sometime during the year as well. So we'll probably get some, you know, new announcements from them kind of before the year is out as well, because they're probably going to have like three or four games they come out at the mm-hmm. end of this year, probably. Yeah. I mean, because uh, I know we they, we've got the, the trails game, but I know they're probably going to have some other stuff coming out as well. So. For sure. Yeah. And they so. just updated their logo. Mm-hmm. Looks very, very cool. You got the little bit of a painting slash going on there with their uh, acronym NIS. So, yeah. Although yeah. I have a saw, I have a soft spot for the older like logo that that's in like the almost like the the pink or the the, the purple. Yeah. Like the different shades of pink and purple on it. I, oh, I really yeah. like the yeah. original logo as well. But uh, yeah, their new logo is pretty nice as well. Again, they, they changed that to kind of like celebrate 30 years of NIS last year. So um, that, it was cool to see them kind of like change up their look a little bit. Um, and I would imagine we probably get some more kind of celebration of that because I think the, the celebration of 30 years of NIS is still ongoing anyways, which is pretty cool to see. Probably and, and also like pro- this is probably like one of the biggest publishers we probably talked about on the list not 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 as far as like the the biggest profile mm-hmm. ones but like the biggest like output of games as well because because yes. because even if you didn't probably intend to play an nis game you've probably played an nis game at some point yeah m- most likely um we'll probably get more out of the 30th anniversary of nis than the 25th anniversary of persona just saying just just yeah. calling it out there <laughs> Also, I got to say, I also kind of missed kind of seeing uh, NIS America folks at, at some events because I used to see them at press events all the time. And they're always super oh, cool. nice to talk to in person. Um, I remember because um, I, I think I've talked about this on previous podcasts, but we ended up, you know, covering 
the Switch's launch, like one of the very first press events I ever went to was for the, before the Switch came out, like it was a month, month before the Switch released. Um, they basically rented out, you know, the, the conference center here in Toronto. Um, and we, they basically had like every Switch launch game on display. And one of them oh, was cool. this guy at five. Um, and they had the folks from NIS America there. Um, so I actually, um, I ended up playing the, this guy have like five demo to completion. They're like, Whoa, I can't believe anyone actually, you know, came over here and actually finished the demo. It's like, you've played one of these games before. I'm like, and then I explained kind of, you know, I've been playing the games for years and stuff like that. And they were, they're always like, they were like super chill to talk to cool. a person. And again, I've seen them at events and stuff all the time as well. And so they've, they've always been super nice to us. In fact, they've been big supporters of, um, even like the game moves podcast when we were the game moves podcast with 10, mm-hmm. 10 subscribers, Garrett. Uh, we told them we had 10 like, subscribers and they're like, yeah, we, we'd love you. would love to be part of it. As long as you know, you, you review the games and talk about them. So there you go. But I, I, like, before we go, Garrett, did you have any kind of final thoughts about NIS, uh, before we kind of wrap this conversation up? I know it's a little bit short of our show this week, but we also yeah. just didn't get any questions this week. Uh, that too. I know mean, it was just more of a, you know, um, very nice to actually talk about NIS. I will definitely keep my eye out on their games um, and and see. I, I really want to get into the Disgaea series. Like I, I I did try out Disgaea Five for like a few hours, but it never. I I sit down. And it's like okay, the next game I'll play is a Disgaea game. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I'll I'll get to that um, later on this year or something. Um, yeah, it's really cool to see uh, this company really. Um, bring that connection from Japanese developers, smaller Japanese developers that you may never heard of, and just bringing them over to the West, localizing them. So I I really appreciate all of the games that they really done. Yeah, as you said, Danganronpa is a huge cult. I I, I would say a huge niche cult classic here in the U.S. as well. Um, I played the first one, super super fun. Um, so yeah, thank you NIS for all that you do, and just keep at it. I'm sure you'll just do a good job. Absolutely. Well said. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Every time, you know, NS does like a presentation or every time, like, cause, cause I, we, we get emails from NS all the time. And like, anytime an email comes in for NS, I always get like super excited to check it out. Um, so, cause I always get excited to check out some of their releases. Cause again, it's like, if you ever wanted to kind of see what the Japanese indie game scene is a, a lot of times, like it filters through NAS. So, um, the, and a lot of times they publish games that like, there are like that you would normally never see like some ideas um, at like major, major publishers and stuff like that. So if you're ever looking for like unique games and stuff like that, like I encourage you, the dear listener or viewer to go seek out NIS if you have, mm-hmm. if you're not too familiar with them, because I think they do some pretty awesome work. And, and again, mm-hmm. like I said, the games aren't always, you know, you know, slam dunks every single time, but I do think that um, that they do the best they can. And they, 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 the, for the, the most part, they, they're really bringing these games that we would not, normally have you know thought about or, or really seen exactly otherwise to, to our eyes and i love seeing that so definitely check out some of their stuff we're gonna have the nintendo playstation and xbox drive driving on in and we're all just gonna hang out in the rpg cave and <laughs> my couch God, co-op my God. yes we're, i mean we're hanging out in the batmobile and they're just driving you know an oismobile you know like like some their kind car of their car pulling over i'm just saying 
Yeah. Actually, Anyways, you're, you're with Sean and the Xbox drive. I'm the one, the lonesome here in the cave managing it out. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, how does the, how does the Nintendo shack feature in this? Can we find a section of the cave for the shack, Garrett? Most the, likely. Maybe, maybe they're on top. They're like next to the beach on, on top of the cave. <laughs> I guess you probably don't want to hang out with all the bats in the cave. Like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Anyways, we should probably get going before we go. Garrett plugs go. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter at Bland Explosion, and you can find me on the Nintendo Shack, part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. We're live every Thursday nights, six thirty. It's a uh, oh no, that's Pacific. Yep, nine thirty Eastern time. I still got to think about that because you never know. We might have some sets. listeners in the Pacific time zone, Garrett. So it all that's it true. works out. That's true. Twitch.tv slash PSVG. And you can find it on all podcast services too, including Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, all that good stuff. Or or what we see in the business podcast services around the globe. Around the globe. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Turford. You can find us on Twitter at Carpool Gaming. You can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash Carpool Gaming, as well as on podcast services around the globe. So for Garrett Bland, I'm Ryan Tufford. This has been level 42 of the RPG Cave, and we're out. Bye-bye. The RPG Cave's mana is powered by patrons over at patreon.com slash carpoolgaming. And one way to say thank you to our most 90 patrons, starting off with our ultimate producers, mostly Martinez, Dano, Emily O'Kelly, Dallas Ford, Chucker Sloth, Jonathan Brown, the man behind the music on the Xbox Drive and the Nintendo Drive. You can check out his new album, In My Element. Drew Agnew, Lee Navarro, the fearless leader of the Phoenix Overdrive Extra Life team. We also want to say thank you to our platinum producers, Rebecca Rubin Navarro, Skinny Matt, and Robbie Bobby Miller. And our gold members, Anna W., The Snack Network, Foolish Fuji, Mr. and Mrs. Nasty Boots, Tony Baker, Joey Splats, Mac Time, RJ Kern, Jose Jimenez, Argo, Marcus O'Neill, Dallas Robbins, and Celsi Carrazzo. Thank you all for all of your support. And if you're not a Patreon yet, head over to patreon.com slash carpoolgaming and pick the tier that's right for you.